everybody and welcome to the Ocean Impact Podcast. This is our Pitch Fest 2021 series where we chat to the incredible founders behind the startups in Pitch Fest 21. I'm joined today by my co-host, you know him, you love him, Tim Silverwood. How you going, Tim? Going great, Amelia. Can't believe this one will mark halfway through the 12 episodes of the Pitch Fest 2021 series where we're moving along quickly. We are. It seems to be flying by and we're just getting loads and loads of incredible gold in terms of the, uh, you know, the stuff that these founders are chatting about. Yeah, it really is fascinating. And this is one that I think people are going to find incredibly insightful because at the end of the day, plastic pollution is a very mainstream ocean challenge now, but I bet you didn't know some of the things about this problem that you're going to learn today. Exactly. So today we have Declan McAdams from Pinovo. And Pinovo has this fascinating technology to stop microplastics entering the ocean in the form of paint. And that's all I'll say. I don't want to take too much away from Declan's opening spiel because he explains so well how paint factors into the microplastic problem. But I will summarise their technology, which comes in at the stage that a painted, usually steel object needs to be stripped and then repainted. Pinovo's solution is basically an alternative to open grip blasting or high pressure water jetting. Simply put, it's a blaster with a vacuum at the end. The beauty of this system is that it not only catches those microplastic paint particles, but also allows the grit itself to be reused. It's better for the environment and ocean, it's better for the workers and working conditions, and it's better ultimately for the bottom line of these sometimes quite big companies being cheaper and more efficient. Pretty fascinating. It is fascinating. And Tim, I think someone could come into this episode thinking sandblasting isn't sexy. Would you say that that's an accurate uh, idea? <laughs> Look, safe to say before Declan McAdams came along and the Panovo team, I wouldn't have thought sandblasting was sexy either. Sure, I'd seen the infrastructure out there in the environment being serviced and, you know, in Sydney, Australia, we have the Sydney Harbour Bridge and there's some fantastic statistics around just by the time they've finished painting this giant steel structure, they have to go back to the start and do it again. But you never would really think about the environmental impact of that process not just of painting it, but of actually removing the old paint in order to apply the new paint. So extrapolate that out to all the infrastructure out there which touches the ocean, which is painted, and you can start to see why this is such a big problem and an incredible opportunity for businesses like Panova who've got technology to do so much better than the existing way that we currently do things. That's so true. And, you know, I had the same thought before, you know, tuning in, but Declan talks with such passion. Uh, He breaks things down so easily. He really explains it so well. And he was dropping absolute gems throughout this episode for all types of startups who have their own ocean impact solution. From getting independent research to the importance of driving regulatory change, which is very important, to being able to break down and explain the benefits of your solution through many different lenses, which is something he's fantastic at. I dare say this actually is one of the most practical, uh, passionate and fascinating 
uh, episodes yet for founders and startups and really for anyone looking to drive impact. So for me, Declan really shines as not only a founder but a leader um, in the, you know, startup and ocean health kind of space. Yeah, and a really big takeout for me and it's it's more of a personal one and I suppose one for, for OIO is, you know, we built PitchFest um, as a program and we've built all of OIO's innovation programs to to help as best as we possibly can startups like Pinovo. But sometimes you never really know how tangible and tactile the results are of our support. And to hear how Declan was just so stoked, he talked about, it might have been off uh, when we finished recording, but he was just talking about how the team got so excited and so enthused and mobilized as a result of being recognized as part of this campaign. So it just made me feel really, really proud of what OIO is doing and how our programs like PitchFest really do provide a great boost for startups like Pinovo. That's so true. And I think, you know, that's probably a good time to mention that PitchFest 2022 is back. It's coming soon and people can, in fact, uh, go and and sign up for pre-registration to get all of the info and uh, and know when the applications go live. And you can be, you know, very similar to Declan uh, and the whole team at Pinovo because it does give you a bit of a boost, I think, as a startup to be uh, recognised in, in any way. Yeah, and look, on that, obviously, with campaigns like PitchFest, we receive hundreds of applications, right, and we only get to the end and are able to shine a light on 12 to 15 of those startups. So, you know, I what I'm saying is I encourage everyone to apply because whether or not you get recognized in that top tier, the process of actually going through a storytelling exercise, putting your solution on paper for your online form, and then going and doing your pitch video, there's such valuable skills when you're communicating to customers, when you're seeking investment, when you're just pitching for support. So I could not emphasize that enough. If you're a startup and you're working in the ocean impact space, Go and pre-register on our website and make sure you apply. PitchFest 2022 was going to officially launch on the 9th of August 2022 and we just can't wait to see everyone who applies this year. It's so exciting. And, guys, the uh, the URL for that, if you want to go pre-register, is ocean impact org forward slash pitchfest 2022 so go pre-register for that and now enjoy the man with the musical voice because he's got such a beautiful Irish accent Declan from Pinovo. Enjoy. I'm thrilled to have on the Ocean Impact podcast Pitchfest 2021 series Declan McAdams who is the co-founder and the chairman of Pinovo. How are you Declan? Hi Tim very well thanks very much and you? Very well. Thanks for tuning in on your morning in Geneva in Switzerland and my afternoon here in northern New South Wales in Australia. So we're here to talk about your remarkable solution that Pinovo is working on. Could you start by telling us what the problem is that you are trying to solve with your incredible technology? Sure, Tim. I suppose I start by telling listeners something they probably didn't realise, which is paint is plastic. Now, paint actually does a very good job protecting and decorating objects in our working lives and daily lives. But the problem is mismanaged paint damages and causes huge impact, negative impact on the environment. Now, we developed technology 
which was developed originally as what we would call an industrial solution to an industrial problem. Now, all the environmental benefits, which is that it stops microplastics entering the ocean and the environment were always there, but there really was no awareness of the problem. So our first biggest task has been to put the problem on the agenda. And this is what we've sought to do over the last two years. So stopping paint microplastics entering the ocean. Which is just fascinating because as you pointed out there, so many listeners hearing this are hearing it for the first time and going, okay, right. So you're telling me that paint of which the quantities and the scale of what we must use across planet Earth, planet ocean, as we like to say, must be astronomical, is actually paint. And obviously there's a range of problems there with it leaking into the environment, both through the manufacturing and the application process, but really where you're focusing is on what happens when you're servicing equipment that is out there in the elements. Can you tell us a little bit more about your solution specifically um, applying to those objects that are out there and need to be addressed and serviced? Sure. Well, as I said, we cover these objects in paint to protect them from corrosion, but corrosion happens. And the more the extreme the environment is, the more certain and the more quickly the corrosion will happen. Now, what happens with corrosion, what you have to do is before you repaint the object to protect the object, you have to take off the old paint and rust. Now, the traditional ways of doing this were with open grit blasting or high pressure water jetting. Quite simply, what they do is blast the old paint, crush it into microplastics, and generally, because the objects we're talking about in an industrial marine environment are located by the sea, over the sea, bridges, or in the sea, oil rigs and wind turbines. All those crushed paint residuals, which are now microplastics, fall into the ocean. What we do, in very simple terms, is we have a blasting tool, but we've got a vacuum cleaner at the end of it. It sucks up all of the paint residuals, so there are zero emissions. Bring them back into the system. Then we actually recycle the grit, which reuses the grit up to 20 times, leading to about 80% less of grit consumption, which in turn means less grit production, less grit transport, so over 60% less CO2 emissions than the traditional method. And finally, the benefit for the operators is just enormous. The traditional working environment with open grit blasting is just unimaginably bad. With us, there's no dust, a lot less noise, a lot less vibrations, and a much more uh, cleaner and better working environment for the operators. It sounds like there'd be an economic rationale for your business, even just based on that repurposing and reuse of the grit and everything associated with it. But the real key here, obviously, and I encourage people to check out the show notes and go and do some Googling of your technology, is that simple yet novel idea of attaching the vacuum cleaner to the actual uh, technology. So yes, yeah, so simple yet so powerful. So tell us a little bit then about what it takes to motivate your customers to actually uh, go as far as adopting your technology as opposed to those just traditional approaches that we both know are terrible, not only for the environment, for the people that are actually working in those industries. What motivates them? Well, I suppose the traditional way we have looked at it has been with by presenting the industrial benefits, and they're all there, as we've just explained. They're actually cost advantages as well, because there's no sheeting, there's no scaffolding, there's no cleaning up. For spot blasting, our technology is actually over 60% cheaper to use. However, traditional industries are very slow to change. 
Now, two things are happening. One, the whole issue of sustainability. You go back 10 years, go back five years, the word hardly existed. Now we're beginning to see some companies, leaders in particular industries, who are taking the initiative, who want to be ahead, and who are saying, this is the right way to do things. This is the clean way to do things. Let's get ahead and do it. So, you know, Clavenous Combination Carriers, which is a ship, uh, Norwegian shipping company that goes between Australia and China, they bought one of our machines to use on their what's called Combination Carriers, which takes clean bulk or sort of wet bulk one direction, dry bulk the other direction. So they needed a clean method of cleaning out those holes. So they bought our technology. But I think the real key here is moving regulation. The regulators have to take a stand and say, paint crushed into microplastics going into the ocean is pollution. And actually, interestingly, at the UNEA meeting in Nairobi in February, where they decided to move forward on the negotiations on the plastic treaty, the UN proposed UN plastic treaty, in that document for the first time ever, microplastics are recognized as plastic pollution. This is a big step forward because that puts it on a UN agenda. We're also working closely with the EU who have taken research, which we mandated, because it's all very well for us to come out and say paint is a problem because of the plastic content of paint. People correctly say, you would say that, wouldn't you? And we said, well, we wanted science-based, data-driven evidence of what we were saying. So we engaged with a very well-known research firm based out of Lausanne in Switzerland who were recommended by IUCN, the UN's Nature Conservancy Organization, who have a long experience in the whole area of research in microplastics to quantify the scale of global microplastic emissions. Their work took almost a year. It was a very, very substantial piece of work, over 150 pages in the research. And quite simply, they found that paint is the biggest source of microplastic in the ocean bigger than tires, textiles, and pellets together. And just in simple numbers terms, they estimated that the paint microplastic emissions into the ocean in 2019 were 1.9 million tons. Now, that sounds like a big figure, but what does it mean? We'll give you an idea. That's microplastic. Microplastics are what they call are plastics that are less than five millimeters in size. What we call macroplastics, which are plastic bottles, straws, single-use plastics. The UN has estimated that total macroplastics in the ocean each year is about 8 million tonnes. So if we're now saying that paint microplastics alone is 1.9 million tonnes, that's an extra 25% on top of the known macroplastics going into the ocean every year. So this is a very big problem, which we've been seeking to get the regulators to focus on. And with this research, the EU has now engaged on the issue of paint microplastics and are actively looking at regulatory measures to take steps to reduce those emissions. What could that mean for your business in terms of obviously having that remarkable research and now taking it to the regulators and the policymakers? What could that mean for a business like you and of course others that are working in a similar space? Well, I think this is the nudge. To go back to who's a Talman, I think, who said that you need this nudge, this signal from regulators to move forward to these industries. So I spoke earlier about sort of what I call early adopter industries. We want the rest to follow. And I think for them, there needs to be a sort of a level playing field. Why would they make a move if others don't? I think there's also a role here for the paint industry. And while I come back again and say paint does a good job 
protecting objects and decorating them in a domestic environment. However, the paint industry also has a responsibility to recognize the risks of mismanaged paint. So they need to educate their customers about what they need to do at the time of application. So a big issue is overspraying. You can lose up to 50% of the paint if you overspray. How do you manage that? How do you reduce that? In a domestic environment, rinsing brushes under a sink, under a tap. Even though the paint, con- the plastic content in domestic paint is sometimes it's less than 5%, but there's still plastic content in domestic paint. Rinsing under a tap in the sink means that there is paint microplastics entering the water system. So I spoke about time of application. Then, as you said earlier, Tim, maintenance, that's the key moment. Before you repaint, you remove all the old uh, paint residuals. How do you do that? Do you do it in the traditional polluting methods, dirty polluting methods, or clean vacuum blasting? And finally, end of life. This is a crucial one because we see these awful images of ships that are sold and moved through various shelf companies and end up on a beach in Bangladesh. And it's both a human and environmental catastrophe what's done there. These ships are cut up. All the paint leaks it. I mean, clearly from a working environment is just inimaginable. But from an environmental point of view, all the paint and everything else ends up in the sea and it's just an environmental catastrophe. So we say the paint industry need to educate their customers. And we really believe the regulators need to push them to do this because up to this point, they haven't done that and they need to do it. You're clearly so passionate about this problem and your solution, of course, Declan. Can you tell us a little bit about your personal why? What is it that has motivated you to be so engaged in this critical solution? Yeah, I think it's, I can't ever claim that these things are planned out. I I believe a lot in serendipity and you follow a a project, you follow an idea. A number of years ago, I stepped back from a project I was in, another project I was involved in. I was looking for something else to do. And in one sense, we all think we might like to get involved in an NGO. I don't have that background. I have a business background. So what I was looking for was something which I could get my teeth into, which would have a business price, but also have an impact. By chance, I was asked to get involved in Pinovo initially as a non-executive director. And then I think I told you earlier, you start to put your hand in, then you suddenly find your arm is gone. And very quickly, you're all in. Because this is a passionate subject. I mean, you get a an issue where people don't even see the problem and we know it's hiding in plain daylight now there's also yeah a personal sort of interest in disrupting things you see a big industry like the paint industry which is you know going back to basic economics is an oligopoly actually in domestic markets they're monopolies these are big industries that just don't move and they should and i suppose you begin to maybe this is my irish background you begin to say well we should try and fix this so it becomes a bit of a challenge. I think you have to keep your head screwed on. This is a business. We want to have an impact and we must be sustainable for us to have a sustainable impact. And that's what we do. So I think it's got a lot of ingredients in terms of creating a business that can have a positive impact in the environment and a little bit of disruption doesn't do any harm either. I love it. That would get me up out of bed every morning and I can see it does the same for you. You've already touched on some remarkable achievements with Pinovo in recent times, but maybe there's some more in the tank that you'd like to share, some of those key achievements, but maybe also a chance to share some of those key challenges that you faced along the journey. Uh, I suppose when we look back, um, I mean, it's been rock and roll, there's no question, because initially it's followed the, Pinovo has followed all the sort of classic 
highs and lows of a startup, um, which I've been involved with in others before, and it's never a straight line. I mean, initially it started out in a, as an industrial solution to an industrial problem. It had one, it created one, it made one very fundamental error. It had one big customer in one industry, which was all very well, which happened to be the offshore oil and gas industry. And when the oil price fell over in 2014, well, it had a pretty inevitable consequence on the business itself, which forced us, and this is when I got involved, to diversify geographically and also industrially. So we're across a spread of, indus- geographies, a spread of industries. Um, the real key for us was, I guess, I mentioned the issue of sustainability. Sustainability came onto them, uh, public awareness, became part of public awareness. The whole issue of ocean and ocean, the importance of the ocean for all of us in terms of our lives, our livelihoods, the future of the planet, really only came into focus. And I, I attribute this to people like the Pope, <laughs> uh, the Norwegian Prime Minister, Ernest Solberg, who's a very passionate believer in the importance of the ocean, Sir David Attenborough, of course, with microplastics. This turned of public awareness towards the issues that are important for us. We then, I think, got, we got involved with Catapult Ocean and Accelerate Up in Oslo, which in turn, by pure chance, meant an introduction into the World Economic Forum, and we were the very first solution on their platform, Uplink. And I think this, you know, for other innovators, entrepreneurs, I think this is very important. I often say Uplink is a bit like, you know, World Economic Forum is a huge machine and it moves big companies like Procter & Gamble, JP Morgan. You can just imagine what the impact of something like the World Economic Forum is on a small operation like Panova. It's like putting a V8 engine in a Mini. It's fantastic. And we got involved with Uplink. They've been amazingly supportive. Um, Then we were very happy to be part of the Pitch Fest last year. That was a great opportunity for us to raise our profile within the ocean community. So I think these sort of issues, these sort of, um, organizations which support, which nurture, which partner, which encourage you, because it's a pretty lonely journey at times. And I think you do need uh, partners and mentors, uh, supporters like uh, OIO, which we appreciate very much, to, to encourage you on this journey. Looking forward, as I said, the key issues here, we, are, we operate in twin, two, sort of two levels, at the business level, we're saying happy to say that 2022 is being is a very good year. There's no question. COVID was a really tough period for us because you, we couldn't, you know, our customers couldn't move their workers. They couldn't get access onto different sites. So we turned over. We more than survived, but we really couldn't grow very well. We're very happy to see we're seeing growth in the business in 2022. We just secured our biggest and longest ever contract with Ocker Solutions, working on a big FPSO in a very clean manner on their site. Um, So we're beginning to see industrial adoption. On the other side, working closely with the EU, the United Nations, uh, we were happy to be guests of the World Economic Forum at Davos, which for us was a wonderful opportunity to put the issue of ocean paint, microplastic pollution on the agenda on what is a very big stage. And that was fantastic. So there's a lot going on uh, at both the business level and at what I call the influencing regulatory lobbying level as well. 
Which of those two do you really have to apply yourself predominantly? Obviously, the, the lobbying and changing policy will just provide the most immense opportunities for the business and therefore in that sort of business development sense. But then you've also got to then be able to service the demand and make sure you're growing into new markets elsewhere. So how do you share your time across those two very important areas? Well, that's the value of having a good team. Um, we have a team based in Bergen, which is the operational piece of our operation. So as the way I put it is, they do all the pieces I can't do and I do all the pieces they don't want to do. So, which is a pretty good uh, split of duties. Essentially, they focus on the operational piece, making the customers happy. Clearly, I deal with customers as well. I'm involved in talking to new customers, supporting the team there. But I tend to focus more on investors, the regulatory piece, um, and representation. So I think it's a pretty good mix. Fantastic. So you spoke a little bit then about the the road ahead. Is there anything else coming up in the next 12 to 24 months that you'd like to share with the OIO community, those tuning in today? We'd love to hear about uh, the future of Panovo, if you have any more little tidbits to share. Yeah. Well, we'd like to see movement on the regulatory side. We think this will come at two levels, at a national level in Norway um, and also at a transnational level, both with the EU out of Brussels, because it's part of the Green Deal. The EU have made a commitment to reduce, have an objective to reduce microplastics by 30% by 2030. Now, paint microplastics could actually make a big contribution to that emission reduction. Uh, so we believe this fits very well, well into the whole EU Green Deal piece. Then the United Nations focusing increasingly on microplastics as part of plastic pollution. So we're seeking to work more and more with them in terms of putting the whole um, paint microplastic issue on the agenda. From a business point of view, we'd probably be doing a fundraising at the end of this year, early next year. So we'd probably be reaching out to uh, for funding opportunities in that sort of context. And it's really about just continuing to put the messages that paint is plastic mismanaged paint creates material and important environmental damage and most particularly to the ocean and we can do something about it this isn't a blue sky exercise this is real we can do it yeah so just sort of going back we've touched a number of times on the on the episode so far about the the research that you uh you helped to bring to light and just the amount of media attention that received is is phenomenal. So I can only imagine that there is much, much more of that and that each time it's going to be another rocket jetpack up Panovo and your others in the industry as well. Can you, can you tell us a little bit about the competition in the space? Um, what is it like to be part of the pack, I suppose, that are addressing this problem? Or are you still, I think you've mentioned elsewhere, you're a number of years ahead of, of many others in the industry. Tell us a little bit about your competitors. There are competitors, but they generally happen to be suppliers of traditional equipment for as well, the traditional dirty polluted blasting equipment. So for them, they have, they're sitting there, they have their toe in the water, I'd put it, in terms of the vacuum blasting piece, but they haven't gone all in as we have. And really, this is an industry and this is a technology where you can't half do it. You have to offer the full solution to your customers. Otherwise, they say, well, why should we just do vacuum blasting in that little corner? Because you've got a limited range of tools. We might as well just open blast the whole damn thing. Whereas what we've had to do over the last seven, eight years is develop the full range of front end tools because that's what makes the difference. So there are other vacuum blasting suppliers out there. And this is not a monopoly. Uh, 
this is something where we're certain that when the regulatory signals come through, there will be an increasing number of people who move into this space because they recognize that the future must be clean, sustainable blasting. So we're there. There are competitors. We are, as you say, two to three years ahead of the competition. But we're very much looking forward to the day when there's lots more players in the space because that shows that that's the space to be in. And that's when we can all have a very big impact on a very important problem. Yes, I think it was um, on the description of the company on your LinkedIn profile, uh, and you're very great on LinkedIn, but you know, you talk about a $12 billion sandblasting industry globally. So clearly we're talking about the implications of blasting paint and mostly on infrastructure close or related to the ocean, but I can imagine this extends across the entire surface of our planet and a lot of changes need to happen. They certainly do. And we're going to see lots of different solutions. I'm a great believer that when the regulatory signals are there, this promotes technology. Money comes into the space. People continue. We're continuing to develop our technology, obviously. Other players will enter. There are other types of solutions. This is not a one size fits all because there are two big trends here. One is sustainability. The other is actually robotics. Because as I said earlier, this is actually the traditional method of blasting is really an awful, awful job, really tough on the operators. So if this can be done in a cleaner, safer manner, for example, on the side of hulls of ships during dry docking, that should be done with robotics. And we're actually in that space too, because we've partnered with a robotic operator up in Norway called Remotion, who developed the robotic piece we're supplying the blasting tools. So we've now got a marriage of sustainability and robotics. So I think there will be many different ways in which we can all deliver clean, sustainable surface treatment going forward and eliminate the traditional dirty methods of uh, open grid blasting and high pressure water jetting. And of course, once you solve this one, you can move on to car tires and textiles. Is uh, <laughs> any scope for that on the horizon in your, in your tool chest, Declan? <laughs> <laughs> oh, if there's energy, any energy left we'll see I think one thing at a time I think uh, if we can achieve this as you said it's a big big mountain uh, there's a lot of opportunity from a business point of view and a lot of opportunity from an impact point of view I think <laughs> I think the key you asked earlier about things that you need to do uh, in sort of an entrepreneurial environment focus is so important because you know we're, we're all small teams in entrepreneurial environments and you've got to keep your eye on the ball um, and that's what we try and do. What's important, what's big, what matters, and just get stuck in and do it. Let's just go a little bit deeper into those because that is one of the questions that we do love to ask our guests on this series is those key learnings. There's a lot of founders and prospective entrepreneurs who want to go and create positive change and build a successful business. Would you like to dive a little deeper into some of your experiences in what's been a quite a remarkable career? Yeah, I don't want to sound like Methuselah here giving uh, pearls of wisdom from the top of the mountain. Um, I think you need to recognize, I heard somebody much wiser than me say, it's not good enough to have the right idea. You need to have the right idea at the right time. So you have to be very realistic. And, you know, Pinovo is a case in point. If you're too early, you just have to be patient. Uh, a friend of mine who's in another uh, entrepreneurial situation said, you know, I'm very happy. I've got lots of competitors in my space. This tells me the space is the right space to be in. It's actually pretty lonely when you're out there plying away and you suddenly see, well, where's, no, where's everybody else? Um, so you need to be, to be sure that the issue you're dealing with 
this is the right time, the right backup is there to make things happen. I think having the right team is obviously critical. <sighs> that goes without saying. And you need the right kind of people uh, who are willing to roll up their sleeves, uh, who have who are multi-talented. I think the one great thing um, about an entrepreneurial environment is that you discover you can do things you never thought you could do um, because you have to be capable of getting lots of different things done. I remember I was involved in the startup of Ryanair a long, long time ago, and I remember the CEO calling me and saying, Declan, we need a reservation system. Can you go out and get one? And I walked out the room and says, what's a reservation system? But miraculously, you work it out, you go and you do it. So I think you need to have a can-do mentality. You need to be able to put your hands to different tasks and you need to stay focused. I think that's really important. So it's about the team. It's about having an objective. It's about staying focused on that. It's about getting bigger partners around you. So that's where I come back to the support of people like, you know, Catapult Ocean, Uplink, OIO, having people who are in the same space as you, who understand the issues that you're going through. And, you know, as part of Davos trip, Uplink put 20 innovators from all over the world. There were people from <clears throat> India, San Diego, Dubai, Bergen, Norway, uh, all together and you hear some of these other innovators together and what they're dealing with and you see what their skills, their know-how. One guy was able to do digital monitoring of waste collection in very remote parts of India. And we're saying, wow, that's an interesting piece of technology. Maybe we could use that to recover, record paint residual collection on an oil rig. So I think getting yourself in the right environment with the right people around you listening, learning, because you never stop learning, <laughs> Jesus. Um, and just keeping an open mind and then trying to stay focused and go for it. I love those little pearls of wisdom. And yeah, we've certainly thoroughly been involved in this very growing and emerging ocean impact ecosystem globally. And we just can't wait to see and play our role in bringing people and startups together because we just know that uh, this is exactly what we need to rapidly accelerate positive improvements to the health of the ocean. We're getting very close to the end now, Declan. You've been fantastic. Um, is there some things that you really wanted to touch on today that you just haven't had the chance to speak to yet? I'll give you a couple of moments to to, to wind things up and, and maybe finish by telling people where they can follow your personal journey and, of course, Bonovo. Sure. Tim, I think, you know, one of the issues for me, I remember somebody saying, why... Why can, how do you get the public to recognize this issue? And, you know, when you walk on the beach and you step in a Coke bottle, not to point out Coke, but yeah, that's, you understand plastic pollution, but you don't see, feel, or touch microplastics. So one way I often try and do is to say to people, you know, next time you're driving over a bridge, we drive over bridges all the time, and you see there's somebody repainting that bridge up there, and you look at there's lots of sheeting, and, you know, the Sydney Harbour Bridge, for example, and it's being painted all the time, and it's sheeted and it's covered Ask yourself, why are they doing that? Well, there's a simple reason. They're using the traditional dirty, pollutive methods. So you talk to your municipality and you talk to your county councillor and you say, why are you not using clean surface treatment methods? Because, you know, I query, you keep putting out in for all these cliches, Rome wasn't built in a day, all these sort of things. Each little step counts. And if we can increase public awareness of the issue and get the politicians aware they'll push the regulators and they in turn will push industry so 
I would ask people to be aware that paint is plastic. It doesn't mean it's a bad product. It's a very good product when used correctly, but mismanaged paint is very bad for the environment. So please be aware of that. Follow us, Pinovo, on www.pinovo.com. Follow our LinkedIn page. We try and keep uh, news coming out, tell people what we're doing, what's, uh, what's coming. So, and support us in spread the news. Paint is plastic. Thank you so much, Declan. I think all those listening in and throughout the OIO community are so appreciative of your time and all that you and the team are doing at Pinovo. Thanks for your efforts and for joining the show. Thanks, Tim. Can't take the ocean out of me.